One thing we firmly believe here at Two Girls, One Mike is that you should pay for your porn. Yeah, but like, not too much, right? Yeah, much like dick, you want just the right amount. That's a bad example. I would always want way too much of that. Uh, lube then? Same. Existential dread that you're going to spend the rest of your life alone pondering the utter meaninglessness of it all before sacrificing yourself to the ones from future god Zenu? Um, so somewhere between all of those is the amount you want to pay for your porn. Right, so if we can hook you up with a discount to support your masturbatory habits, we're very happy to help you entertain your balls off. So we're partnering with AdamandEveVOD.com to point you to some hysterical parody movies that we can't wait to review for you guys. They have such a great video-on-demand service and a ton of movies with plots for us to play with. Queen of Thrones. Storm of Kings. Han Solo. Greece. You know, they didn't really even have to give that one a parody name. And unlike the Church of Scientology, there's no sacrifices, membership, or ritualistic beatings. Unless you're into that. Hmm. Now to get a discount off your first purchase, go to adamandevevod.com and type in the promo code TAKE50, that's T-A-K-E-5-0, to help us help you pay for your porn. We're committed to your pleasure here at the Porncast, and that means we won't promote anything that isn't Alice-tested and Yvette-approved. And this one is definitely tested. Several times over. Yeah, there was suction. And fluffing. And thermometers. And the tea bags. You mean teabagging? No, I got something in my eye and used tea bags to get the swelling to go down. What did you get in your eye? My husband's balls. It, it took a fucking village. A literal fucking village. And well worth it, because thanks to Clone Willy, we've now cloned body parts on ourselves and willing volunteers. And we can even make them buzz. No pussies or cocks were harmed in the making of this partnership. We live in amazing times. Now, where can our listeners check this out, Alice? To clone it and bone it, go to clonawilly.com and type in promo code TGOM20 to get 20% off your first purchase. This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porncast where our safe word is Danny DeVito, unless we're having sex with Danny DeVito. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn, and with me, I have my beautiful co-host, Yvette Dontremont, a.k.a. the Cybabe. Yvette, are you having sex with Danny DeVito? Well, not right now, but I'm still feeling the warmth of him right on top of me. It's keeping my bosom happy and moist. He looks like he would keep you warm. He looks snuggly. And, and now here's a question. If you're somebody with a fetish for Danny DeVito, uh, number one, email us info at twogirlswomike.com. But number two, would your safe word like leave your partner in the corner, like rocking back and forth? Like, I knew she hadn't gotten over it. Or I knew he, I, you know, I'm an equal opportunity Danny DeVito fetishist, but I have questions about this. Look, I just want to meet someone who's had sex with Danny DeVito and or just meet Danny DeVito. So Danny DeVito, if you're assuming you're listening to the show, because why wouldn't of course you be you listening are, to this? Email us. You know, maybe Danny DeVito jerks off thinking about Danny DeVito. Why wouldn't you? Why oh, wouldn't you? Yeah, Danny DeVito totally jerks off to Danny DeVito. Okay. Who else would you if you're Danny DeVito? You have reached prime when you're Danny DeVito. You don't just peak when you're Danny DeVito. That's your entire life. It's one big peak. Exactly. Well, it's one small peak. Excuse me, but how do you know? You know Down what? there. He could be a tripod. 
We love you, Danny, and we would love to have you on the show. And you're not our safe word. Well, not yours, at least. So, but we could ask our guest if it's her safe word. So we have a guest on the show today. And we're very excited. She's a former dominatrix. She's a former professional porn reviewer, author. She's written for places like GQ, Penthouse Online, the New York Press. She had a column at one point. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Robin Schamberg. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I don't have a safe word at present. And if I were with Danny DeVito, I don't feel I would need one. I feel like nothing would be too outrageous. Nothing would be too far. Like whenever I hear nothing would be too far, I'm like, but wait, are there things I wouldn't put in my butt? That's always uh-huh. my first question of too outrageous. It's like, wait, I have some limits. So is that where you go with safe words that it's all about what's going to go into your ass? How much lube do you need to get a corn on the cob in there? Like, I think that's a legitimate question. Yeah, it depends on the lube also. Yeah, I think a more viscous one is needed for successful insertion of something that um, ridgy. Mm-hmm. At least that's my analysis. But I, this is not something I have attempted. It is something I have witnessed, though. You've witnessed corn on the cob going into an ass? I have. Uh, okay. With a strap on. Were you wielding the strap on? No. I was, like I said, witnessed, did not partake. Oh, I see. I was still anal hesitant at the time. Because uh-huh. this is going to go quickly into the weirdest thing you've seen put into an ass. (laughs) I do have a good one, a Barbie doll. I did stick a Barbie doll up a client's ass once on his request. Whoa. Getting the condom um... on a Barbie doll was not easy. How do you maneuver that one? Wait, did the Barbie doll still have hair? Because like, I feel like that would be hard. Well, I put her into the condom hair first. So you would think the feet would go in because the legs are so nice and long and slender, but then the arms have to come up and then she goes in head last. But I thought... I put the condom over her head because head of a penis, head of yeah, a Barbie. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I thought, well, once you get the shoulders in, then then you're home. Yeah. I also feel like the feet would have more of a chance of like puncturing something. Yeah. Yeah, they are a little. I agree with your application of materials. When I was a kid, I used to collect the special edition Barbie dolls, you know, like 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so much older than you. Mine were like 92, 93. I love that you were a kid then. <laughs> Mine was like the first one. Oh. <laughs> From the 1880s or oh. whenever Barbie dolls started. 1958. Back when I oh, was wow. your age, young mm-hmm. lady, you don't know what things were like. <laughs> Our Barbie dolls were made of wood. But now I kind of hope that someone has a collection out there of, oh, well, these are the different Barbie dolls I've stuck into my ass. This is yeah. the one I stuck in 2000, 2001. Right. <laughs> Right. 2014. It's a progression throughout the years. Hey, if that wasn't a fetish yet, someone's going to do it now. But then someone's going to create an up your ass Barbie and then that's going to ruin the whole scheme for everyone because you only want to put Barbies up your ass if you're not supposed to have a Barbie doll up your ass. So Bad Dragon, call us. We'll work something out. You know, they're going to create a whimsy line next. You know, it's going to be, you know, Rapunzel up your ass or something. Mm-hmm. and like Cabbage Patch Kids up your ass. Oh, that's right. Oh, Pokemon, because that's back. Oh, Pokemon. Bulbasaur up your ass. Absolutely. Bulbasaur would be a really good butt plug, actually. Yeah. Pikachu would be like a nice set of anal beads, like just a bunch of Pikachu Ooh. on a string. You're cute. No, that's a Weedle. I think Pikachu as the uh, handle for a violet wand. It would be Uh apt for his Pokemon type. Uh Look, this is my nerdiness. I've played every Pokemon game ever for Nintendo. So if that turns you on, you're welcome. Or 
I'm sorry. And if you think that you have a better Pokemon for a sex toy, email us at info at twogirlswonemike.com oh, because why not? Duo Drio. It's this like kind of two-headed yes. ostrich. And when yes. it evolves, it's a three-headed ostrich. So you have, what I'm saying is you have options. That's right. My favorite then would be uh, Duck Trio. Uh, oh, uh, oh, that's a good oh. one. That one, I feel that looks a little harder. Like that's not as much. I like where your head's at though, because that one, like, I feel it could be a little painful. There was another one that's like a couple of palm trees and like, or I could be misremembering this one. Anyways. So what else have you put into people's asses, <laughs> yeah, Robin? <let's> talk about- <laughs> yeah. Well, they would be the normal, but I'm not, I'm back on Pokemon though, for just the point of, there was a brief shining moment where I played Pokemon Go and was walking around looking at the ground with my phone like, like everyone else. Oh, is it still a thing? Okay. Yeah, it's gotten way better. They've released a ton really? new Pokemon. It's funny because my husband and I, we go up, we're walking more often because uh-huh. there are Pokemon to collect. Oh, to chase people around Pokemon Go, to bring more human element to it, to chase people around and then sodomize them rather than just be chasing Pokemon. This is an idea in its early stages, but, you know, just make it a little more interactive. Like here, I have a Pikachu. I'm going to stick it up your ass. Pokemon Go. Pokesmut? Yeah, Pokemon. Oh. Pokemon, ho. Oh, oh. Well, I went to Japan several years ago before reality television was really big in the States, and they had a show where men would sneak up on women and grab them from behind, grab their breasts, and then guess their bra size. And this was met with delight. Like, women would would have their breasts grabbed in public, and then they would turn around and say that it was just a game, and then laugh, wow. and ha, 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 that's right, 34B, ha, ha, that's me. With it being Japan, and knowing that there are so many reality TV shows that are, of course, staged, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, of course, curious if how many of those signed waivers saying that, hey, yeah, some random guy's going to grab you. How many right. women did they hypothetically have to grab right. Yeah. Right. to find one that said, oh, no, this is fine. This, this was is, delightful. No, this is totally normal. Right, like, do you go out? Out in public and say, okay, if you're in this area, your breasts might get grabbed as part of a TV show. Don't panic. If you if you come in here, you're automatically given consent. I don't know, but the porn in Japan is yeah. off the hook. I remember watching one where um, this guy, and I had a Japanese lady with me interpreting the porn, because I knew what I was seeing, but what I was hearing, I didn't know. And um, he was shoving a bouquet of roses, stems first, into this lady's vagina and he was saying and he was saying am i hurting you yet and and this wasn't even something we went into a specialty shop to get this was you know in the hotel room order porn on your tv and this was one of the offerings and am i hurting you yet he was i'm guessing it was an attempt to hurt right right Right, it's the yet and i asked the interpreter three times i said you sure that was a yet because that makes it a totally different sentence yet it was yes, yet. Huh. Yeah. We learned in our uh, episode with Missy Martinez when we cover Japanese game show porn. Mm-hmm. Japan's fucking weird. Yeah. You can do almost anything, but you can't show pubic hair. Ooh. Huh. And wow. it's like the school uniforms are like designed fetish first, and then they decided to put them on young women. So speaking of fetishes of young women, have you guys heard of this new law that recently passed in Florida where they're outlawing sex dolls, but specifically childlike looking Mm. sex dolls? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I have not heard of that. So what's up with that? I have mixed feelings on this. I've thought long and hard about this. So first off, they didn't define childlike. I actually read the bill, which makes it very problematic because what if you just have a very short sex doll mm-hmm. like what if you couldn't afford the full model right. you couldn't afford a real doll so you're like you know what this one that's like three feet uh-huh. it works right. and then on top of that 
what kind of qualifies it. So, I mean, there's young-looking ones. Doll. This might be one of those things that you know it when you see it. This might be just yeah. going back to that old standard. Yeah, but people say the same thing about porn, and we have a lot of issues there. But I mean, at least with porn, like there is a line you draw on porn for what is and is not child pornography, and it's when somebody right. is over the age of eighteen years old, it's legal and it's not. Like, how do you define a child sex doll? It is a piece of plastic. And I get it. It's creepy as shit. I'm not saying right. it's not. I'm not saying that I want people to go out and like it's I'm not even going to say the full sentence so that nobody can grab that cliff and right. be like, I right. want to quote her on this one. This is not a product that I want people to desire. But would you rather somebody who has those desires buy this yeah. or go out? Go and into s- the priesthood? <laughs> oh, that's right. uh, you that's know, or right. go out and hunt out because even if somebody isn't touching children, what's their other thing they're going to do? They're going to go onto the market for child pornography, which is harming children. Right. So exactly. Right. I've heard overall that there has been a push to not call it child porn or kitty porn, to call it uh, child sexual abuse materials. Like it's evidence because when you think about it, when you call it kitty well, porn, when you call it kitty porn, it mm. sounds almost cute. It sounds like a genre. It sounds oh. like, oh, we've got cheerleaders, big butt, big tit, big ass, bukkake, kids. It sounds too cute. And it doesn't really describe what it is, which is that you're videoing someone being raped, really. I know that was so grim. But as far as a doll looking childlike. No, it puts it into perspective. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I think they need a catchier name, though, because child sexual abuse material doesn't roll off the tongue like kitty porn does. It's going to take a while to rebrand it. I do think we need something else, and I don't know what it is yet. Pedophilia porn? I think that is going to get us a little bit closer, yeah. I think using the full word pedophilia porn, that would, it's focusing it on... The viewer rather than the subject. Like, that's something that tells people this is designed for something that we associate with something... Right, put an ugly word in there. Yeah, I mean, I get it. No matter what, there's going to be somebody listening to this that says somebody with the inclination to be attracted to young people mm-hmm. to you know is not necessarily going to abuse a young person but at the same time that's the word that we use that will ping the part of your brain going this is bad this right. is not a thing right. that's legal ethical etc in in these times so right what's another big problem is when it comes to specifically pedophilia we have so little research or information on it um, it's still exceptionally taboo to actually research pedophilia so right. what are the causes I mean, let's be honest, we're all bags of chemicals. And there have been cases where someone developed a tumor, they started having this insane consumption for specifically child pornography, which they never had earlier on in their life. And then they had the tumor removed. It was fine. They didn't go back to it. But, you know, what do you do in those scenarios? How do you study it? What causes it? Is this something that can be treated? And we don't know yet because we just don't know how it works. At least from what I know, most people with pedophilia would love to wake up tomorrow and not have those feelings. Yeah, it's definitely a burdensome thing to be into. I don't know much more about it than that. My opinion on the sex dolls is the one thing about it that bothers me and I still look at it and go that there's a mitigating factor to it is it's, it means somebody out there is profiting from the fact that uh-huh. someone's a pedophile but then right. that's a really stupid argument against it because it's like you know I profit as a science writer off the fact that people right. are putting bad information out there and so I have to go and put out that fire with my writing like that's not a good argument against this it's like that's you know putting out a sex doll is going to hopefully stop people from offending and hurting children. 
Right. But that's kind of an age old um, argument with adult materials. Is it stoking a desire or is it a responsible way to satisfy a desire that would be unpleasant any other way? There was a perfect quote from Bill Hicks on this. Uh, Who's God? He's God, by the way. Yeah. Is to say God? <laughs> I believe the quote was, the Madonna video does not cause the hard-on. The hard-on exists, and therefore, we made the Madonna video. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed up I the like quote that. a little bit, but that's the spirit of it. And right. so, like, that's part of the reason why I, I love what we do. It's like, guys... It's okay to talk about this. We're all thinking about it. Let's not live in denial of it. Right, right. And you can't always be policing what the end user might get or not get out of something. I'm sure the people who made the Barbie doll didn't say, I better be careful because this is going to end up someone's ass one day. (laughs) (laughs) How do we not know that was not in, hey, guys, we need to do a safety test on this. Uh, Now it's an ass test. It's not ass safe. Like That could be like on the checkbox. We have to make sure that every seven-year-old girl isn't going to put their Barbies into sex positions. Oh, I did that. Did you? Oh, of course. Mine got naked and hooked up so fast. Yeah. I didn't even know what sex was and I was making them do it. Yeah. It's funny because we're not reviewing a porn today and we have a, uh, you know, you used to professionally review porn, which is one of the things that I love about you. When we first met, we were introduced as, hey, Robin used to also review porn and you sent me some of your work and I thought, oh, wow, she also gets to see... uh, What's it called? When when the cunnilingus is terrible? Pornolingus. Pornolingus. Yeah. Yes. yes. I can't unsee it now, ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but before yeah. we get into that, I would love to, because I felt like we could have reviewed a porn today, but there's so much to discuss between you being in the industry for so long mm-hmm. and having written about it and having been a former dom mm-hmm. uh, and a former reviewer that we should talk about that instead because we've never had a dom on the show <laughs> yet, actually, shockingly. Uh, that is kind of shocking. Well, I mean, that was a long time ago. It was part of my career evolution. I went from journalist to dominatrix to, um, well, I was always a writer. I wrote for magazines, television, movies. I wrote a book about S&M, but S&M kind of started everything because it, it grabbed people's attention so that I had a platform. I had this weekly column and I started getting more work. So it did exactly what I wanted to do, where at the time it seemed like a very questionable decision of my 20s. Like, I think I'm going to become a sex worker. I had gone to journalism school. And when I got out, it was, you know, the 90s, um, the economy sucked. I decided I wanted to cover something that no one else could do. What am I willing to do that no one else can do? And that, that's nice. been my standard ever, ever since. So I thought, well, this thing called SM is is catching on. I'm going to write an article on it. So I went and in researching the article, I had a chance to do a session. And um, I detail this in my book. I went into an SM parlor. I don't even know how that came about. I do not remember. And the girl said, you can't write an article unless you do a session. So little did I know, they dressed me up in all their clothes and they gave me one of the most difficult clients that they knew, which was a man who had a Christ complex. What's a Christ complex? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. See, now being a Catholic, I was like, okay, I know what that is. I I can work with that. But open to interpretation, he explained it. He said, I want to die for you. I want to be like Christ. And then he said, I want you to nail me to this cross. Now he was at least 350 pounds with these push pins. He showed me push pins. And um, it was, I believe, maybe a Catherine wheel or one of those St. Andrew's crosses. St. Andrew's crosses. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I was like, I, I'm not going to do that. Mainly because I, I didn't know how it would happen. Every so often I hear something that makes me go, you know nothing, Jon Snow. And this is one <laughs> of those moments. I, uh, And I've seen some shit in my life. Like I've partied at the upper floor back, and at the armory back in the day. This is a... Uh, carry on. I apologize. Ah, no, I'm just, no, no. No worries. I had to... Whew. I expected something like... Okay, eat my body. All right, drink my blood. Wow. Okay, uh, and then opens jar of mayonnaise. Like, where are we going with this one? Relish, perhaps. Wow. Was put yeah. me into a hot dog bun and and lick this off my. T- I, this was not where I expected. No, wow. no, did not expect this one. Ooh. So nailing to a cross. Continue. You bring up a good point though, because if that had been what he wanted, this story would have had a whole different ending. I would have walked out and said, "Fuck this." But it appealed to the psychodrama. So I just, I put on an entire passion play. I used all the obscure, you know, we had the two thieves that were next to Jesus on the cross. And I addressed them and him. And I I just acted out all the parts. In the end, he cried. It was a catharsis. He cried. He said it was the best session he ever had. He gave me a nice tip. And I came out of the room and all the other doms were sitting there just waiting for this to be a shit show. But it wasn't. And um, just, you know, right client, right dom, right time. I suddenly realized not only do I have an article, but this is a nice way to pay the rent while I'm getting my writing thing together. And I'm really glad I did it because, you know, you can visit and and write an interesting article, but really going in and immersing yourself. And it was a career of mine for a couple of years. While I was doing it, New York Press, which was a weekly paper, a free paper, kind of along with The Voice, would come out on Wednesday. They wanted an advice columnist. And so I submitted some clips to them and they hired me and I had a weekly column. It got pretty well known. You know, it was kind of the dawn of the internet, really. It was like mid to late nineties. Like my, I know I have an AOL email address. It was back around the, do you have a hotmail? That's right. Do you know what a worldwide internet is? Where you had to murder a robot every time you wanted to use the internet. That's right. Like there was a garbage disposal killing a small animal and your hopes and dreams to get on there. That's right. It was on my Mac Classic 2 with a little teeny tiny screen that's the oh. unit. And I still have it too in storage somewhere. But so people were able to write to me. And, and from there, I got offers to do more work. And, and that kind of grew. I was managing editor of Leg Show magazine for a while. I uh, wrote columns for Perfect 10, Gallery, Fox, all the fine fetish magazines. And then I became a therapist, as we've talked about. That was sort of the end point of all of this. I used my S&M money to go back to school. And I said, you know what, as long as I'm spending an hour with people really intuiting their desires and, and helping them have breakthroughs, I really should make respectable money for this. So, so I went back and became a shrink. Nice. And, uh, it, it's sort of a natural evolution. Here at Two Girls, One Mike, we think it's important to support you in your masturbatory habits. It's sex with someone you love. And we love them too. Love's a really strong word, according to my therapist. We care about getting each and every one of them a better orgasm, and that is close enough. And we would never recommend anything we haven't personally tested. Which is why you can trust us when we say we highly recommend Clona Willy. Because with Clona Willy, you can masturbate and have sex with someone you love while at home and shame eating Uber Eats. I told you to take the camera out of my home. Oops. So with Clona Willy, you can make a dildo and now a fleshlight out of your own anatomy. As we found, it's a fun and messy process. 
And if you're doing this on your partner, they're strategizing and evasive maneuvering. It's kind of like adult risk, but instead of winning a fake country, you get a real vibrator. And do what you want with it. Hang it on a wall. Hide it in your goodie drawer for when you're home alone. Send it to your significant other as the only version of you that's willing to fly United. Use it to fix a broken leak. Or to cause one. Personal experience. Use it as a beer cozy. Smash the patriarchy with the cold one, ladies. So crack a cold one with the boys. Stick it in the girls. Where can our listeners find out more about this madness? To clone it and bone it, go to clonawilly.com to check it out and type in the promo code TGOM20 to get 20% off your first purchase. So going back and focusing on your time as a dom, I have a ton of questions because I have never experience. I've never been on either side of a dominatrix session. And I would assume that a lot of our listeners have no idea what it's like either. Mm. I feel like there's... Alice, why do you keep denying that spanking I gave you at PsyCon? <laughs> you know. You know. You told me it was meaningful. You told me it was your first time, too. Were they all lies? First time that day. Oh, okay. See, I know. I'll take it. I mean, it's just like my virginity. I I wake up a virgin every morning. Doesn't last long, but. (laughs) (laughs) The nice girl thing is very endearing. Don't ever change. So I think that you can be you can be the spanking denier, and we'll just Yvette and I will just see through it and wink. You can take one (laughs) cheek. I'll take the other. That's right. That's right. We'll go up and down the thighs. We can do this. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Okay, okay the beginning. How beginning. does a dom find clients? Okay. Or do they come to you? How does that work? Bit of column A, bit of column B. I need to even go way back to trace that because I was thinking about this a lot uh, when I was getting ready to talk to you guys. And the role of technology in this cannot be underestimated because we didn't have the internet then. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a phone where someone could privately contact you. So you would work in where I work. I worked in a fetish parlor and people would call, make appointments. They would find the ad in the back of the big trade magazines. That would be Screw, Dominant Mystique, Dominant Domain, even The Voice, I think, and New York Press had numbers. So people would actually call and come over there and, you know, book a session, come over there. They would have to call from the corner and then you'd have to make sure they weren't a cop, which is not really any way to do that. And they need S&M too. Oh, that sounds so much scarier. It was definitely different. I mean, you can't really, It's. I'm sure it's not like how it was, say there was no place to learn how to do it. I couldn't see anything on the internet. And also clients were different because back then in the 90s, if you were a cross-dresser, if you liked things in your ass, if you had a giantess fetish, there was no place to go. You thought you might be the only one. You know, there was really nowhere to find your people. There was no infrastructure where yeah. you could mm. meet other like-minded. I mean, there were chat rooms. They were in their very early stages. The chat rooms oh, are man. where middle-aged men jerked each other off for quite a few years, talking about their fantasies with each other. Yes, I'm a blonde with huge tits, and I love football and anal sex. There can't be that many out there. What? Well. They're not all blonde, big-titted. No, they're hairy, hoary, middle-aged men conjuring Mm. up fantasies at their keyboards uh, for each other, I think. I can't know. But so back then, it was a little bit different because there really just was so unknown, and I think that that made it great. So a client would come to you, and I would be the only person that maybe knew 
that he liked women's underwear or he liked cock and ball torture or he liked to be spanked and and he was very alone in this. So so it really was more of a therapeutic environment because I would have to explain that this is a you know, natural feeling, but still keep it weird enough for them to be excited. People like to be scandalized by their fetish. They don't want to think that mm-hmm. this is normal. They want to think this is very abnormal and I'm very strange. Just enough. When it comes to clients, did they have, out of curiosity, rules, contracts, agreements with you? Uh, were there things that you would do that was your specialty or things that you said, no, this is a little off limits for me, but I know someone else who I could refer you to? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I didn't really have that. I was I was such a bold little dumbass explorer adventurer that anything crazy was a brand new day for to me. Boldly ass plunder where no one. That's has... right. That's right. It's also the new name of the new Star Trek series. Fun fact. Is it? No. Deep ass nine. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that better be a porn parody. Deep ass <laughs> nine. Deep ass nine. Leroy. Oh, well, so what was your question? I forgot. Uh, did you have contracts, rules, agreements, specialties? Oh, right, right. Uh, boundaries. Uh, those, I've heard of boundaries. Not really, again, <laughs> then. Um, there, there were certain things that I wasn't quite, you know, also because when the client would come, he would choose you. You had to do the lineup. It was such a hoe thing to do. You oh, would actually, wait, I didn't know there was a lineup. Yeah, there was a lineup. Unless it was your private client. But uh, if a client just generally came, he would, like, choose you. And it was considered very unprofessional. Like the other girls would hate you if you tried to promote yourself in any way, which seems ridiculous because I should be able to have a few words with you to find out if you are, you know, if this is my thing or not. But them's was the rules and, you know, a group of women like that are brutal and we police ourselves. So you really could just like maybe give a limp handshake. So you might get someone and they might want something, particularly people who wanted particular kinds of role play. Like, for instance, I worked with a lady who was the daughter of a rabbi and he was a pretty prominent rabbi. And we would get Hasidic Jews would come in for sessions. And that was really her thing. I mean, she had the grit of that. She had the backstory of that. So she could really bring that to life just as I brought the passion of Christ to my session. Oh, Robin, speak Latin to me. <laughs> You know, she just would have these Hasidic guys by the balls, literally, and she would just say exactly the right thing to trigger them. Like, you should be so ashamed of yourself right now. <laughs> Your mother would be so mad at you. Exactly. What are you doing? You should be in temple apologizing to your God. Sorry. It's, I- <laughs> So you're a natural. This matzo ball soup is cold. That's right. I indeed had a Jewish grandmother. I know the guilt. Yes. It's a profound thing. So there were certain things that certain people were more geared towards, but me personally, there were no contracts. I'm sorry. No, now I have this idea of a woman who tortures specifically Hasidic Jews Mm. in only ways Hasidic Jews can understand and relate. BJ Kramer. We need your input on this. We have a friend who's, who is scared. We don't know if it was Orthodox. No, it wasn't Hasidic. It was Orthodox. Like mm-hmm. really like what, yeah. like a deeply like right, right. nutty Orthodox sect in New York City. And I want to know if there are still fetishes from that because he's told us he's told us some interesting tales. Mm-hmm. God, there are some doms who are probably feeding bacon to some Hasidic Jews right now. Probably. Or taunting them with it. Don't feed it to them. That would be, oh, yeah. that would be key. Once, it, once you feed it to them, it's done. You know, maybe the transgressive thing is for them to put on their old Hasidic like gear mm-hmm. and for them to like, I, I don't know if it would it be like keeping it just out of reach or eating the bacon in front of them and then like mm-hmm. fucking them and then being like, yeah, you're getting some of that bacon. by I don't know. Like there has yeah. to be or layering it all over their body with the raw bacon. Right. See, that would be a judgment call you would make in the session. But I don't even really know. I'm not knowledgeable on that world. So I could not possibly 
of course, make it special, but she made it special. I like it. So Robin, what happens in a normal session? Well, if I had never met the client before, I would do a brief you know, set up with them to find out what they wanted, what they were into. It, usually people who have these things are very specific. They might bring an article of clothing, maybe that they wanted to wear, or if they had a special sex toy they wanted to use, they would bring those things. And then we would talk about what was going to happen. If they had boundaries, they would tell me what they were. Safe word, we would have a safe word. It's, it was different every time. I couldn't even remember what it was at this point. So after that, we would begin. And then there'd be a, kind of like a warm up depending on what the session was and dungeon hour is very much like a therapist hour in that it's 45 minutes long and one thing that you could do when the client was blindfolded is push the clock forward a little bit again this is again to technology because people <laughs> didn't have their phones then people didn't automatically know what time it was oh my god so you could really just kind of fuck with them a little bit when they were tied or blindfolded or if you tied them up and then you went out to pee or or, or have a smoke or, or do whatever you were going to do and then come back you know sometimes you would get another girl to join you. You'd hit her off a couple of bucks to, you know, look at this, look at what I'm doing with him. Um, and now another witness. Oh my God. And then because having more than one woman taunt you is always good. One woman is good, but a crowd of women jeering at you. If, if, you know, it really does depend on the fetish or the scene. For sure. I'm curious, is it, and I mean, this is, I know the stereotype, did you find that more of your clientele that was into being dominated had the alpha type day jobs or no? A lot of them did. And I do think there is some truth to that. You're, you're talking about the thing where the powerful men really want to be taken down a notch and, and don't want to be in control. And that's relaxing to them. I think that's part of it. I also think that you can't really afford a session unless you have money. Guys in finance, particularly, they would come in and spend lots of money. But definitely the exchange of cash was part of the interaction. I, I did notice that blue collar people, it would be more like they had a need that they couldn't get at home. Like blue collar people would have something stuck up their ass, something where they couldn't do it at home, where you don't want to ask your, you don't want your wife or your girlfriend to know you that way, but you need to have it done. You don't know how to ask them. And sometimes I would fuck myself out of work because I'd be like, you know, you really could tell your wife. It's not that unusual. How about if you say it this way? And then this, and this kind of what I lost in clientele, I kind of gained because I became an advice columnist after that. And one of the most frequently asked questions is, I have this thing. It's so weird. How do I bring it home? And first you have to decide if you want yes. to bring it home because sometimes people like to have their identity very separate. Um, you know, I'm a sissy maid in my sessions. I, I don't want my wife to see me like that. And that's valid for them. I don't know what the wife would think or girlfriend. So here's my question. If hypothetically our listeners have a specific fetish that they want to introduce in a relationship, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a brand new relationship or they've been with their partner for several years, mm -hmm. what's a good way for them to break the ice and bring up that topic? And how long do you wait if, mm. and does it depend on how off the beaten track it is. Yes. Like what's what's your call yes. on that? It's definitely is fetish specific. I mean, give me one and, and we'll see and we'll write a script together. Uh, latex. Latex. latex oh, latex is lovely. Latex is lovely. Yeah, I wouldn't even see that as being a specialty thing. What I would do, am, am I the man in this? Oh, I had one latex rubber guy scare me off, actually. Really? How? Like I said, I've tried some things in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't like having sex in a latex dress. He was wearing mm -hmm. a latex thing. I was wearing, it was it was quite a fun experience. It felt right. good. But here was where he lost me. He put on a latex hood and I'm like, uh -huh. all right, we're okay with the hood, kind of. Right. Uh, then he also needed to put on a black latex condom to you know for continuity of and course. then he put on black latex gloves and i'm like they're gonna find my body in the fucking mystic <laughs> river 
and I'm gonna I die. See. That's where I was like, I'm too creeped out. This is uh-huh. too much. And like, it, here was the thing: I finally found a man I could be friends with because I adored the guy. Uh-huh. Like, he was so funny and so great. And I'm like, it was funny because I liked the vanilla sex with them. It was, just, uh-huh. and the other thing was he was not into any sort of like DS type stuff. Right. Like, we weren't into the same type of power exchange. He didn't right. quite enjoy given a spanking so to speak uh uh-huh. so right. like our fetishes right. didn't match up was what it came down to i see and you seem open-minded enough that you could roll with it if he yeah. had presented it and you know it's it's part of the give and take of any relationship if i'll always try something but like i'll always say i'll try something twice yes in case i got it wrong the first time that's right you know that's but like right. look if i hadn't said i'll try it twice in case i got it wrong the first time i would not know the joy of anal today all right so yeah all right i mean robin whether it's you know latex prostate stimulation right. if a guy wants to be a submissive right. or I don't know I mean I feel like there's a million things yeah, someone sure. could be into I mean uh, what's just a good way to broach that in a relationship well it helps if you're a great lay overall I mean that would be the first thing I would say up your lay game well, yeah that does help would you say have normal old fun good vanilla sex before laying out the look I have a foot fetish because fo- yes. I don't think foot fetish is too far off the beaten track. No, foot fetish is pretty normal. Also, foot fetish can be rolled into, I would like to buy you a pair of shoes. I would like to buy you these beautiful shoes. So I think I won't that, say no. Yeah, exactly. See, see, you're you're halfway there. Alice, the door's open now. My foot fetish is in the door. Yeah. I mean, I'm not single, but I'm pretty sure if a guy had a foot fetish, number one, not a problem for me. Right. Because I like getting my feet rubbed. But number two, if they introed yeah. it with, um, I will buy you uh-huh. a pair of Manolos, I'd be like, what time? Yeah, yeah. Now, that's not every foot fetish. You also get guys who are into stinky feet and sweat socks. But if oh, yeah. I if I were a guy, and, okay, let's say foot fetish. Okay, if I were a guy and I had a foot fetish, first of all, be a fucking great lay and have me like you. That would be the basics. I mean, if it's just a, a one-off and some guy is like smelling my feet, then that would be very off-putting because you don't know me, son. It's not about me now. It's just about these feet that I'm donating to this experience. But I would say, yeah, communication. Figure out what's in it for the other person, i.e. a new pair of shoes or a foot rub. Like, who doesn't want their feet rubbed? That so, is a great way to... It's right? transactional. Why not? Exactly. Sex is transactional. It is, and there's nothing wrong with that. But okay, why fetishes go wrong, in my opinion, is that the fetishist gets so focused on his fetish object, he forgets the woman or the other person. Dang. So, right? Okay. Huh. Yep. So if it was feet drive me wild... Eh, that's okay. Your what feet. About how about your feet drive me wild? Then it's uh, special. Uh, pegging. Well, we're gonna have to work our oh. way up to pegging. But you see, it's it's <laughs> it's make it. You know, while feet turn me on, and you, lady, you have beautiful feet. Oh my goodness! Would you mind if I rub them? And y- you can kind of ease your way into it because you you have to make the woman feel special, wanted, beautiful, sexy. And if you can incorporate your fetish into that, then you'll get it. It has to be. I guess if it were a classical conditioning, I would pair reward with the stimulus. I would be like, let's go shoe shopping. And then I am just going to give you the foot rub of your lifetime. Who's going to say no? Not me. Now, pegging is a whole nother, you know, going from feet to pegging. Am I into pegging or do I want to peg someone? Well, hypothetically, let's say you're the guy and you want to be pegged. All right. I'm the guy and I want to be pegged. Let's see. The big fear on that one is that is, you know, yeah, exactly. It's gay. Mm -hmm. That stuff is gay. I mean, that's what men think, but... I think more women are down for it than men would ever realize. But again, it comes to openness, communication, being a good partner overall. I mean, if you meet someone and they're a jerk and you just want to sleep with them one time, you're certainly not going to drag out the strap-on harness for them. No, that's true. So I would say, yeah, pegging if I were a guy and I was into it and say the relationship is good and everything is going 
Well, uh, you could probably, you know, finger in the ass during a blowjob would be the first place to go. Um, I think a reasonably involved woman during sex would try to see if there's any reaction back there. Like there are two areas in a man that are either reactive or they're not, which would be nipples and asshole. Hmm. And Nipples is something that guys will grow into, actually. They may in their 20s, maybe not. 30s, maybe not. 40, your nipples become wired as you get older. This is good information for the future. Right? So on his 40th birthday, grab the nipples. Gotcha. See, what happened? Just hit 34. We're getting there. I would say, you know, any reasonable woman who's like a decent sex partner is going to find out, are are nipples a thing? And, you know, guys will usually lead you. Come on, you know, if you're like grabbing some guy's ass during a BJ you know, if, if they move towards you or move away or if they kind of angle it so that you're getting more, you know, into the crack, like that oh, kind yeah. of thing. You, you really have to be sensitive to those things. Um, but let's pretend I'm the guy and I want a dildo in my ass. Hmm. That's just going to have to start with ass play in general before you get all the way up to the strap on. Yep. You're going to have to start small. Baby steps. So kind of going back to your time as a dom, Mm -hmm. what was, if ever, the riskiest part of your job? I know you mentioned cops at one point. Mm. Things I thought were risky then versus things I realize are risky now. Um, Back then, the big thing was the place is going to get busted. Now, mind you, nothing illegal happens in a fetish parlor. It is totally legal for a grown woman to order around a grown man and role play and all that. It's, It's only ancillary activities that would happen in a sex club, which is mostly, you know, Drugs and things that aren't supposed to happen. Any any kind of low-level illegal fuckery, that's what's going to get the place shut down. Somebody has a gun, that's going to get it shut down. Uh, But the biggest danger then, well, there were always two things the girls talked about. One was, yeah, the place getting raided, and the other was a client dying on you. Someone dying. Oh, my God. A client dying during a session. Now, to my knowledge, this has never happened. But a client dying on you. When you think about it, though, that would be much worse for the client than for you. You know what? No, I dated a much older guy a handful of years ago, and he was a little overweight at the time. It always scared the shit out of me that he was going to have a heart attack. Right. It's like, you know, I wasn't like deeply attached. It was just it was a fun time. I was like, please just don't let him die whilst I'm on top of him. Right. Take the dildo out of his ass before the coroner comes. Just do him that. Yeah. Like I have a a master's in forensics, but I can't I don't know how to clean up all this DNA after I've had an orgasm. Like I don't have that capacity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't too. That would be a sign of guilt. I mean, if you're just innocently fucking and the guy kills over, there's really nothing to hide or be ashamed of. It's awkward, but it's not really a legal situation. You know, you'll go to the door looking very hot when the cops come and they will totally understand how the guy had a heart attack. Yeah. Be like he just, it was just more than he could take. She's yeah. too much woman, more than he could take. Knowing who it was, they'd look at him and go, yeah, yeah, we, this is 0% a surprise. <laughs> Was he that was he that overweight? Quite a bit, yes. Yvette Robin, I feel like both of you guys can hold my hand with okay. this next question. I'll hold whatever body part you request. Oh my goodness. This tension between you guys, I like it. Will they won't they? It's a will they won't they. Will they won't they? Will they won't they? Mm-hmm. There has been one slightly illicit picture posted to our Patreon page only. Reason to sign up for our Patreon kids. You'll you'll get more information on the ever continuing story of Will They Won't They. I love it. Patreon.com slash two girls one Mike. Uh but bondage we're gonna hold so holding your hands mm-hmm. bondage we can shackle up your everything not just hold your hand <laughs> mm-hmm. so i've heard that if done wrong it can cause permanent nerve damage yes yes rope damage yeah the thing with bondage too that i think people you can usually tell a professional from an amateur an amateur is going to really bind you securely whereas a professional knows it has to be quick release nothing around the neck um, nothing's oh, going to yeah. cut off circulation. So she knows. 
That's someone that's someone who's tied some people. I know yeah. nothing. Mm. The thing that I'll tell people to start with, because people want to do the rope because it's pretty uh, right. and they want to do these intricate ties because, you know what, they are fun. Like there are basics you can start with and you should start. Right. You need to practice. Practice on a chair. Practice on your person while you are not in a sexual situation. Uh, Excellent you know, idea. There are rope classes. In Like go on right. FetLife. Go on a couple different websites right. like that. Find classes. Like that's how I learned how to do them when we would practice right. on you know, the top would practice, the bottom would practice. Right. So you knew what they were supposed to feel like. That's a thing you do if this is something you want to do. But, uh, and here's my caveat, if you want to restrain someone and you don't know how to do rope and you've never practiced, get a pair of uh, just leather handcuffs that have yes. fucking fur slash... Oh, uh, yeah, left know, cuffs. Yeah, the leather uh, outside, fur on the inside, and get, you know, some rope to attach those together or to tie you to a bed from that because those will never cause nerve damage and they will get the exact same effect. And they look kind of fun. Yeah. They're not going to hurt the person. They're going to restrain them just as well. Don't do something that's going to cause... Da- like, you want to restrain. Like, rope is to restrain. Some people do use it in certain cases to cause pain but not damage. But if you don't know right. for a fact from work you've done on this, from practice, or if you don't know to a reasonable extent that you're not going to cause damage, don't do rope. Yeah, please. I think yeah, there's no reason to do rope. But you're right. Absolutely. I mean, cuffs, if you want to restrain someone, uh, cuffs, uh, you know, shackles will work just as well. But ropes, um, you know, Alice, I'll show you some simple knots that you can use that are quick release. It, it looks like you went to a lot of trouble, but it's very simple to do. Harnesses are a good place to start. Harnesses, yeah. Harnesses, a couple of wrist ties. Yeah. Plus, I find bondage very annoying. I personally don't like to be tied up because I'm like, I would like to do things. I'm not here to not do anything. Yeah. Bondage is good for people who are reluctant participants and need to kind of be made to do it. I'm not that person, so it's not really for me. Uh, I'm just into arts and crafts during sex. Ah, there you go, then. I have the body harness recipe for you. Bring macaroni and glue. For sex with Alice. That's right. Sometimes penis bones and glue. It's like for me, I'm like, when I want sex to start and I want a BDSM element, I'm like, I don't want to, like, yeah. I've enjoyed some rope play, but I also look at it and go, we're going to spend 15 minutes right. setting up a pretty right. harness that's just Wait, eventually. Really? Oh, yeah. Sometimes, like, well, there are some really elaborate, like, Shibari style, like, harnesses. Mm-hmm out there and rope ties. I mean, yeah. I've seen people do rope shows. Like there oh, yeah. are, like yeah. I've been suspended before with it. Oh, you've like, been suspended? Oh yeah. It's, oh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Just not like with hooks, like just, right. you know, a, <laughs> uh, like no, no. Uh, but like no. I've just, I've done like, uh, just at a rope class, like where mm-hmm. everyone was like, here's your basic, you know, one of the more basic suspensions. And it's like, you know, you can do that for like one or two minutes before mm-hmm. you're like, my thighs are killing me. Right. The punchline with rope is that if you want to do the more fun, extreme stuff, it takes time. And if you're right. like, look, I just want a dick in my vagina now. I want to I want to get some some sex right. happening. Plan for that. Yeah. Remember that there is planning and there's strategizing. You got to make some charts. Like, right. Keep that in mind with the rope. Wait, I feel like this is up my alley. You just said charts. Oh, she, oh yeah. she needs she needs binders. You'll need binders. You're going to have like you're going to have like oh. a binder full of like how many lengths and materials of rope you have. Like that's yeah. the thing Wait, you're going to do. I like binders. If you're, Hold you're, on. you're a planner. You're a planner. I like it. She's the planner. I am the asshole. Like that's how this podcast goes. Perfect. Marriage in heaven. Perfect. So you mentioned crazed fetish guy. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Barbie and the asshole. Right. Come on. You got to spill tea on other secrets and other stories. Oh, gosh. Yvette, what do you look for in your porn? Uh, something that gets me off. 
No, but more specifically, what do you want in a website that you're buying porn from? Let's see. I want variety. I might want tentacles. I probably want big butts and I cannot lie. You know I want plots and I really don't want to have to purchase a membership. I have good news. Well, I know you have a big butt. Are you, are you opening a porn site? <laughs> First, thank you. Second, no. Uh, we have a new sponsor. It's Adam and Eve Video On Demand. They, they have tentacles and big butts? And so much more. We're looking forward to plunging into their massive selection of videos. <laughs> plunging. Massive. We're adults. And with the promo code they hooked us up with, you can check it out for a big discount. How big of a discount? Big enough to make a big dick joke about. We should make that dick joke. It's so big that it'll stretch your budget. Uh, but what if you're into other kinds of stretching? Out of any video on demand has port for that. But how big's that discount in numbers? 50% off. Mm, I'm a little wet. So help us help you in your masturbatory habits and go to Adam and Eve Video On Demand and type in Take 50 and get 50% off your first video purchase today. That's Take 50 at adamandevod.com. Well, one time I had a famous soap opera actor um, who came in at a very odd hour because he didn't want to be recognized. Now, I happen to have recognized him, but he really wasn't that famous. He was more New York famous. And um, he wanted to do a... He wanted to <laughs> Everyone's do a, got a story of this guy. That's right. He he wanted to do a, a doctor scene. And, and that, to me, was oh a little pressurized because he was a professional actor. So I had to act like a, a doctor. Did you have to act? Like someone's in a coma? Like soap opera acting. And of course it was over the top because it's S&M and he was on a soap opera. So I thought there was really a chance to just <laughs> to just go, you know, balls to the wall. I have questions about that man's childhood. Well, you know, a lot of the things, and again, this is what led me to psychology. A lot of these fetishes, they seem very outlandish, but what underlies them is a very basic human need, which is to be loved, to be cared for, yeah. to be to be disciplined, you know, the loving mother who yells at you because she wants you to be the best. So once you can tap into what the person really is looking for, you can make the scenario come to life. And that was part of my skill set was kind of seeing through what they're saying and finding out what the sensation, what, what do you really want? What are you really hungry for? What are you looking for? You want someone to tell you no. You want someone to tell you you're beautiful. You want someone to fuss over you or discipline you or, or care enough to spank you. You want someone to make you pizza rolls at 10 o'clock at night when you've had a little too much to drink. Right. Exactly. Wait, can I pay for a session for that? You want the human version of Uber Eats is what you're saying. Yeah, you want the Uber Maybe. Eats in your home. You Uber want, Eats doesn't yeah. judge me. Yeah, that's what relationships are for. You know, if mm. you were going to go to a specialist to get a need met, it's best to have a clear picture as the dom of what the person really wants. And then you can kind of throw anything into the scenario as long as it feeds that specific need and they'll, they'll just think it's it's great, you know. How long do some of these sessions last? Well, they're an hour. They're a therapist hour. They're a 45-minute hour. But if they keep paying, then oh. we keep playing. Like there, there would definitely be people, I cover this in my book, there's a certain kind of client we call the long-playing regular. And this would be a client that would come in for a marathon session. And it's a very different kind of client than any other kind of client. Like a guy who wants to fetch a ball for 10 hours has more in common with a guy who wants to be tied up for 10 hours huh. than he does with a guy who wants to fetch a ball for two minutes. It's the length oh, of it, the sense of going play. the distance. But hmm. yeah, puppy play. I, I, don't, I don't think I did much of that, but I know that that I've is something. I've never even heard of puppy play before. Yeah. 
People like putting on the uh, the masks and being treated like a human pet. Yeah. But see, that's also a mommy thing to me. That would also oh, that break down to caring for, disciplining, teaching, training, this little thing that you're in charge of that you love so much and you want it to be the best it can be. And people are looking for just this very human connection in this kind of outlandish way. And, and that's the essential oil of a fetish or a scene. Hmm. I mean, I've seen all sorts of various wanting to be dominated fetishes. I had a friend mm-hmm. who had a slave relationship uh, within BDSM. Mm-hmm. He lived in a cage in his dom's house. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the extent to which his life was controlled was I bizarre to me. But it's like, yeah, he didn't just want a scene a week or, you know, yeah. a session a week or a session a month. That was what he needed for his life. And I'm like, I don't know how someone can do that. But he wanted the immersive experience. Yeah. It's like that's it's not my place to judge what someone wants to fulfill them. That's just it worked for them. But you know what? My friend, the Dom, occasionally sent him over to clean my apartment. So it worked out for me. That's really good. You can contract out your labor. But the thing with with cleaning slaves, too, is that they want to clean the way that they want to clean. They don't necessarily get your house clean the way that you want it cleaned. And that is... Oh, that's a little disappointing to me. I'm sorry. It's fully disappointed. No, no, no. He got my toilet cleaner than I ever had in my life. Like, I was impressed with the cleaning job. That, and mm-hmm. he introduced me to Kaboom, the blue spray oh, foam. Oh, yeah. No, that is good. Wait, this could be a maid service. Hold on. If you're a dom and you're someone who wants to take on... Like, this was kind of neat. Like, when I moved to the West Coast, like, their dom-slave relationship broke right. off. He was like, by the way, I want a financial dominatrix. So, if you're looking for right. a sl- I'm like, that's not my kink. Like, yeah. and then afterwards I was like, wait, I could have used someone to pay my phone bill. Yeah, why, I don't understand. Why that would did be, I do that to myself? That's the Harvard of, of clients. You want someone who wants to give you money. But what I found to be the case in actual interactions is having someone who wants to do something for you. You happen to have a happy accident where the guy cleaned your toilet bowl really well, but they want to do what they want to do. Someone wants to come to your house and clean it, but then you have to supervise them. Then you have to scold them. You have to dress them. Like it's just easier to clean your house. Your damn self. <laughs> There's no free lunch, even in S and M. It's just, it's going to be the guy. Oh, do I look pretty enough? Oh, how do you like when I'm bending over this? Like you will be supervising the entire experience. Now, if you have someone that really is in the lifestyle, that will do everything exactly as you say and you don't have to spend a half hour after the time either punishing him or praising him that would be ideal but in my experience it's like street fruit there's just always something a little bit wrong with it it's not to your liking so you mentioned financial domination and someone really close to me recently became a financial dominatrix Mm -hmm. not too long ago and it's been really interesting seeing that ride because this person went from kind of being a bitch to oh, wait, this now makes sense. You can profit off this. Right. What was amazing was she told me that, like she would make ATM trips with these guys right. who would just want to take her to an ATM, right. get money out, and give them to her. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, what did I do wrong in my early 20s? Like, this this could have been a thing? Right. I did What? Oh, yeah. Or she told me this story where... This guy gave her a bag of Skittles, Mm -hmm. asked her to step on each and every Skittle and sell the bag of Skittles back to him for like three, four hundred bucks. But this is also like how people go to uh, Vegas or Atlantic City. They only tell you about the wins. I mean, I'm sure these things do happen, but sometimes they're few and far between. And I I mean, I was as popular as popular could get. No being a douchebag, but it's a fact. I did very well. I made Respect. a bunch of money. Thank you. Respect I had a, and praise, queen. <laughs> I, had, I had a column. I got people through it. And those scenarios where the person just gave you money and everything was easy, those were not the typical scenarios for me. Maybe it's gotten different. It is a job. And 
I've also worked a lot with women in the sex industry. And one thing they, we tend to do is exaggerate the payoff. So, because we like the sense that we are playing the game, the game is not playing us. But to me, at the end of the day, it was a job. It also makes me wonder, like we get uh, a lot of people in porn on, and I know that they're there defending their industry. And I'm sure that the things they tell us, that they like their jobs, that they're not there under under duress, that those types of things are all absolutely true. Right. Uh, But, you know, there's also the fact that people who go into the porn industry don't stay in there for long in general like it's a burnout and we haven't i'm sure that at some point we should get someone on the show who left quickly yeah because there were things in it that were bad that they saw that like because i mean i don't want to put down this industry that we enjoy so much but it's like let's show a little bit of the shall we say the not getting a porsche on day one stories there's something called confirmation bias i guess where people are like you know, I'm doing this. So everything is good. Like when you buy a car and then suddenly you're like, oh, everything about this car is great because you're just really just going with the whole making yourself feel good about the purchase. But I do think that it kind of demystifies, humanizes and normalizes porn when we understand that this isn't some magic industry where dreams come true. It's a job like any other job. You know, there's good parts of it. There's bad parts of it. It's not like these women did or men did this thing where, well, I have sex on camera. Therefore, amazing things come to me, but also I can't talk about work at Thanksgiving. You know, it's a job and some days you don't feel like doing it and you put on your game face and you get it done like any other profession. I mean, we tend to hear really focused on like, you know, the people that are in the industry yeah. have been in for a long time, love yeah. the job. Yeah. And it's like, we don't want to speak ill of this industry right, right. in general, you know, it's like, I agree. And, but because I think that society does that enough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to bring uh, someone out who had the worst of the worst, right. but it's like, hey, here are some of the bad things that seem typical. And it's right. why I decided not to stay. I think that's what you're saying right. is that, you know, even though my stories back from my friend the dom some of them are wonderful even though some of your stories are wonderful those are the diamonds exactly and um we love porn we want to defend porn you know it's a job though it's no one's no one's doing it just for the love of the sport there's no one who can afford to not do porn who's doing it if they won the lottery they'd probably stop well that's any job of course that is my point that is any job (laughs) they're all a job and they all have bullshit to them that's right that's right. That's what's amazing to me. I've had people who try, uh, who are anti-porn activists mm-hmm. who say, oh, well, you wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for the money. It's like, yeah. No I- shit. You mean like your <laughs> stupid ass job? That's right. Exactly. That's right. You go to be a doctor or a teacher. Yes, because you enjoy the kids and whatnot, but it's, it's also a job. You're, you're right. a lawyer because it, it's also a fucking job. You got to pay the bills right. and you want to make money to enjoy life. Yeah, exactly. There's, it's so but we do tend to kind of edit out the parts of porn that we don't like because we've been under attack from so many segments that I feel like if I were a famous porn star and I got up here and I talked about some bad thing that happened, everyone would be like, well, see, you know, you had bad sex. See, someone hurt you and they didn't stop. See? You mean like what happens to women on a regular basis on just dates? Amen. It's Sunday. We're in church. You're absolutely right. Exactly. It's just like regular women's problems. They're just large and recorded and they get to have sex with guys with much bigger dicks than most women will ever see. And some of them have injuries because of that. Right. They get dick injuries. And that that also porn injuries has got to be a special section of the hospital for that. Bruised uterus. God, so many women. Really? If you are a doctor who knows for a fact that you have treated a porn injury, actually, please don't call us because that would violate HIPAA. 
rules. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, but I want to know. Really would. Yeah. I want to know. They would have to not say the name of the person, but it would also have to be unidentifiable. How about if you've had a sex yes, injury? Right. Contact us. If you've had a diagnosed, it's in the chart, like a dick fucked up your cervix like we want to or wow. you know actually if you're a guy and you broke your penis we want the phone number <laughs> <laughs> we want to know we need information actually has a cervix actually like has something in there been broken by a dick because we know you can break a penis but like the other way around yeah i mean if our patrons know about the bruised cervix injury really so, um, i didn't i've never heard of that before but i guess when you lex steel would probably do some damage that might not be reversible <laughs> just a long story short of it mm-hmm. it's um an injury where if you have a very big uh, member and or very big um toy mm-hmm. uh if, if it's pounded very vigorously oh. it's not the most pleasant thing right. in the world right. but i want to know specifically if someone has a had a porn based right. injury like so well, what's a porn based injury like you slip on too much lube or not not enough. What? What if? Or what if somebody doesn't have enough for an insertion? And then they really should speak up. This is when we use our words. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like we need a hotline number to give to people after this. We need to know if you have injured a body part during a porn right. shoot. Right. Call. That's right. One day we're gonna set up a hotline, and actually, you know what? At the end of this episode, we're going to provide a hotline number. For you to call in and leave your sex injury stories, and they're allowed to be anonymous. We're tapping into Dan Savage's model of of taking phone calls. Oh, nice. We're going to do this, and we'll probably release them on, like, episode 69 or something. Oh, I like it. Episode 69. Everyone wants to be episode 69 with you guys, I bet, huh? We got a plan for that. We're up to, like, episode, what? 40-something. 40-something. We just released episode 39, so we're, it's, we have managed to not kill each other and entertain a lot of people over the course of nearly a year now. And let's be honest, if you just started choking me, I I would just be into it. Which would make me, like, ease up so you'd stay alive to, like, you know, enjoy it longer, so... it would, you know, I guess. And we then got we'd th- continue. Right. Okay, never mind. All well, right, they won't so, they? Well, they won't they? Actually, we really need a plan. Like, who the fuck is going to be our guest for 69? Well, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, it should be something mutual. I like the idea of a Q&A because 69 itself is you give and you take. So perhaps uh, the theme will be that um, someone comes on, you know, they ask questions and they answer questions. We have people we've been trying to get on mm. for a while. Like if we could finally somehow convince Stormy Daniels to like do us mm-hmm. a solid. So Stormy hit us up. Uh, we're trying. I'm just saying uh, we maybe. Mark Cuban. I don't know. Like I would want someone crazy. No. Maybe we could drag Joe Rogan into our little thing. Joe, mm. I did your podcast. You oh Yeah. Like Joe Rogan owes me fucking anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. King of the pod verse. Yeah. We're queens of the porn pod of verse. I think at this point. One, yeah. I mean, considering how many spinoffs there are of our show at this point. Mm-hmm. Are there three yes. or four? I don't know. Something like that. We hunted around really carefully to see if there were any other like porn review podcasts. We could find nothing. and mm-hmm. We could be wrong. When we started. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we could be wrong, but we could find nothing. And now since we started, there are like I think at least three that started with the same format mm-hmm. or a very similar. We're going to review porn together, right. and we're not complaining about this. It's like, no, oh, we're our thing that we were that we thought was a kind of silly idea, and we were doing it for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Spawned a genre. 
That's right. I'm glad that people like it enough that they're like, we should do this too. Right. It's neat. Although, I mean, fair warning to other porn podcasters, uh, considering we're the OGs, there is no guarantee we won't have like a private review of your porn podcast mm-hmm. for our Patreons. This will totally happen. That's right. We're going to review their podcast the way that we review porn for our Patreons. So what we're saying is if you want to know what we think of your podcast, you should support our podcast on Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's all I'm saying. They'll wait like seven years for that that episode and eventually we'll release it. Uh Actually, we have some patrons to thank today because they sent Robin a fantastic microphone that she was able to use on this episode. And they help pay for our fantastic editor and hosting and all these things that we need to make this show run on a weekly basis. So Thank you, guys. And this week, we want to specifically thank Dionysus, Therese LaSalle, Richard Harrell, Logan Waterman, Bob Mudford, David Bullock, Mark Romer, Dn Falco, Jason Mitchell, Jeff Peterson, Kyle Washington, McAngus, and everyone else. And if you want to become a patron yourself and get extra content as well as interact with us, uh, Throw us ideas and porns to review and guests to have on. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash two girls one mic or just go to two girls one mic.com. But Robin, thanks for coming on the show sure. today. This is great. You are the OG of this universe and we love you for it. Ah. Where can people find everything, Robin? They, we want people to find more about you because you're so wonderful. Oh, thank you. Well, my book is available on Amazon. It's called Mistress Ruby Ties It Together. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it was about my excursions in S&M. Uh, but since then, I went on to do a lot of other things that were not under my name. And I probably were going to stay that way. Um, and now, of <laughs> course, I'm a therapist. Um, I work with freaks and weirdos and anyone who doesn't want to take their problems to a regular therapist. If anyone has any questions for me personally, a dedicated website is Robin, R-O-B-I-N, at triplexcouch.com. That's the word triple, T-R-I-P-L-E-X-X-X-C-O-U-C-H.com. And we will also link to Robin's book in the show notes. So you guys can check that out. And Yvette, where can our listeners on a weekly basis find you? As usual, y'all can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Cybabe and on Facebook.com slash Cybabe and at Cybabe.com where I'm doling out snark and science. And of course, I'm still writing over at The Outline and I'm working on a new article right now and it's a deep dive into some stuff that's going to make people send me hate mail. So anyways, those are all the places. So Alice, where can people find you? And as usual, all the information about us, the podcast. Well, they can find me, uh, let's see, at Rational Blonde on Twitter. Also, apparently, randomly becoming fucking Reddit famous. Uh, I woke up this morning and I was on the front page of Reddit. Someone took one of my tweets and just posted it and had like 25,000 Alice uh, is clever and smart and funny. And more people should follow her on the Twitters. Please follow her. I pretend to be. I I really she is. She is a good pretender then. She's the bestest make-believer I know. Oh, and if you're a Patreon, uh, by the way, you guys get an extra uh, episode with Robin on our Patreon. So go over there, listen to that. You're going to love it. Uh, We talk about how porn has affected sex. So we're really excited about that. Uh, So again, patreon.com slash two girls, one mic. But we will see you guys next week. Oh, and leave us a review because if you can't 
and support us on Patreon. We love, love, love reading your reviews. They make our day. You make me feel so much better about myself in ways that my father never did. (gasps) We have low self-esteem here on the show. Thank you guys so much for your love and support. Thank you for listening to us, you fucking perverts. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 